FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 135 of the podcast that goes snicked. A flashback episode. Flashback! <laughs> I'm your host, Jason, sideways product placement venable. <laughs> and I'm joined once again by flashback co-host Cameron. I'm a bobcat, so screw you, rocking chairs, Sinclair. <laughs> That's a good one. And um, if you've been listening to the uh, our current episodes, you know that we're, um, if not knee-deep, at least like up to halfway of our calves in a secret, their new current Secret Wars. And, you know, we've already done a blockbuster double episode on the original Secret Wars. Well, now it's time for possibly the worst Marvel miniseries of all time, Secret Wars 2. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's the sequel. Maybe it has a little sequel-itis, or maybe something completely different is going on. We will see. Now, Cameron, I got a bone to pick with you. Maybe some, <laughs> some fighting words. We may come to fisticuffs Uh-oh. for the first time since I charged the mound at the wiffle ball game in high school. <laughs> Infamous wiffle ball game. <laughs> yes. So, when we were getting ready to record this, I believe your exact words were, I remember this being really great. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said something along those lines. Yeah. So, so, I'm really curious after we talk about an issue or two, seeing um, exactly how this held up for you. I will admit, this is my first time to ever read this series. I never had it growing up. So, we'll see if that kind of flavors me differently as opposed to how I looked at the first Secret Wars, you know, because I, yeah. I think... I would have thought you would have borrowed this from me at some point. In I would have thought so, too, but if I did, I completely erased it from my memory. I don't remember this at all. So, and I didn't own any of the issues, whereas I had... I had to fill in one or two to do the podcast, but I had most of the original Secret Wars already. Oh, yeah. See, so I, I only have the... The Spider-Man? The, the alien costume, whatever yeah. one has. Right. But I had this whole series because of the, the infamous box of comics that we've discussed. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you got that in there. And you had the whole run? Um, I don't know if I I don't know if I got the whole run in the box or if I filled in gaps okay. later. But, wow. But I'm pretty sure. Well, I, actually, I don't know. Because okay. this came out in 85. Yeah. Which might actually be too late for... Our old, box of comics. Billy Boy. Yeah. Is that all that stuff was 78, 76, 78, 77, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was late 70s, maybe early I, 80s. Maybe I actually went to a comic shop and purchased these items. <laughs> when my when my aunt used to take us to yeah. Keith's and Awesome back to in awesome, the yeah. really old days. I still go to Awesome, by the way. Shout out to Awesome Comics in Dallas, right, Texas. I, I, I used to go to Keith's, too. They moved over here close to me. I might actually start going back there again. There's one in uh, Firewell now. Yeah. And those of you who don't live specifically in the North DFW Metroplex have no idea what we're talking about. But, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I have an old comic shop reminiscing. Yes. Yeah. Well, I remember Awesome used to be, was it comics and cards or cards and comics? 
Because we originally went there for baseball cards, right? Uh, did for awesome? I thought so. Or did we go yeah. to a different place for baseball cards? We used to go to that that Bob's place. No, you went to Bob's in Richardson Square. That was right by Berkner. Yeah, I never. I only went there once or twice with you. There was another shop that we went to where I got my Will Clark rookie card. I remember. I thought it was awesome, yeah. but maybe yeah, it wasn't. Maybe it was awesome. Maybe I, I don't really remember. But I do remember going to another place, and I don't know what else it would be. So right. we'll, we'll just say that was it. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. <laughs> this is the worst podcast yet. Yes. <laughs> yes, it really is. This is terrible. People so, all over the world have turned this podcast off already. Hey, if they tuned in to listen to Secret Wars 2, this is not turning them away. <laughs> that, that's a good point. So A horrible podcast for a horrible series. <laughs> Oh, but before I give, before I blow my whole load on my opinion on this series, uh, why don't we actually start talking about the comics, huh? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Okay, so Secret Wars 2, number one of nine. Now, a little disclaimer here in the way these episodes are going to fall out. X-Men did something kind of weird that, interestingly enough, I don't think any of the other series at the time did. Secret Wars 2... One of the differences between that and the first one is in two, there's a ton of tie-ins, which as far as I know, I don't know about the DC stuff because I don't remember the timing of like Millennium and stuff like that. There were the big DC events of, of the early 80s. But um, this is the first Marvel event that had a lot of tie-ins. So there's a bunch. But X-Men, you have Secret Wars 2 starts. Then you have an X-Men tie-in. Then the X-Men go off and do their own thing. And then they tie back into Secret Wars again. So we'll actually take a break. We'll do part of Secret Wars now. And then we'll do just some regular X-Men stuff. Then we'll come back to Secret Wars. And then kind of a weird way to do the series. But that's what the comics did. So that's what we'll do. And this is number one of nine. And we'll cover the first five tonight. This one is Earthfall. Written by Jim Shooter. Penciled by Al Milgram. Inked by Steve Lay Aloha. And letters by Joe Rosen. Colors by Christy Scheel. And our cover is by Milgram and uh, Terry Austin. Ain't the cover. On the cover we have Who is the Beyonder? Of course, we remember the Beyonder from the first series. Though we never saw him. But we know he's this enigmatic force that um, had the power of a god. So we have his shadow on a fallow broken ground. We have several heroes uh, charging towards the uh, the point of view of the reader. First and foremost, we have Wolverine. Then oh yeah. Followed by Colossus and Nightcrawler and Professor X in a dress shirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then we have Iron Man flying over the New Mutants and Rogue taking up the rear. Then we have Magneto. We have uh, Rachel Summers. And then the only, I'm sorry, so Captain America makes the other non-X-Men on the cover besides Iron Man. So a very X-heavy cover on this first issue. Which is misleading. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit (laughs) misleading. So uh, what did you think of this cover overall? I think this is quite a good cover, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. I said said in my notes that it was a fine cover. Yeah, I like the, the Wolverines drawn well. I like the claws. I like the Captain America. Yeah. I mean, for for this kind of this kind of series, it looks good to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. This is 
this cover is one of the highlights of the whole series for me. Yeah, and especially as an X fan, since it's mostly X Men. Yeah, almost entirely. I thought that was very strange. I mean, besides yeah. the fact we talked about it's a little misleading, as we'll get into. I also just thought it was interesting because you know. Yeah. The X- I guess X. I mean, X Men are big. They're, yeah. They're selling a lot in this time, and so they're trying to capitalize on that. I'm sure. Right. But it is weird that it's really just X Men and then Iron Man and Captain America. Right. <laughs> Very interesting. But um, anyway, so our first issue, the Beyonder crashes into Earth outside Denver, where, if you remember, the Molecule Man and that Lava Girl, what's her name, are still living after the first Secret Wars. Professor X senses his return and sends out a mental APB. Cap hears it and redirects a plane with his Avengers clearance codes. And uh, Jim Shooter can't resist a recap. The, Beyond, the Beyonder tells Mo- Molecule Man he wants to understand. That's kind of where he leaves it, just like that. Molecule Man tells Mr. B, who I will call the Beyonder from now on, that yeah. he can only truly understand through experience, and he should go to Los Angeles, the capital of all experience. Yeah. So they send the all-powerful, infantile, emotional... Uh, <laughs> insecure being on his way so they don't miss any more reruns. Correct. <laughs> the X-Men argue about whether to team up with Magneto, but they eventually get with them and take a ride in his flying limousine across the country to find Mr. B. Mr. B gives a TV writer his greatest wish to be a golden lightning douche and then observes his weird liberal question mark anti-establishment rampage to rant a whole lot and do a little bit of property damage the x-men fight the golden douche and are soon joined by cap and iron man the beyonder i'm sorry mr b conveniently gets rid of the new mutants that the x-men uh inconveniently picked up on the way and then the x-men also teleport away after wolverine slices mr b cap beats the douche and the beyonder disappears or does he Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so that's issue one. I will say, kind of got my hopes up. So we had a pretty cool cover. Then we open up, have a pretty cool title page. Yep. I decided that Molecule Man and uh, Lava Girl may be my least favorite couple ever. They are awful. They're terrible. They they talk terrible. They make you want to rip your eyes out. Too much. The schnookums and the sweetie pies. and It's terrible. Yeah, pretty pretty awful. Then we have a, a frozen Walt Disney joke. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Or conspiracy reveal, you mean? Yeah, right. I, Molecule Man. The the couple things I that I thought were funny about that, aside from the the the, to, the, the speech that was that was like not even funny. It was just kind of gross. <laughs> the way they talked right. to each other. Yes. That's yeah. beyond it. Now I did find humorous. That he was watching Hogan's Heroes. Well, yeah, because I love Hogan's Heroes. And that he was way more concerned about that than <laughs> anything else. That I was... thought that was so funny. Yeah. yeah it was like was an old good. man and his stories. <laughs> in the I don't care what's happening in the world. Right. This guy may be here to destroy the planet, but right, right, right. But I'm going to watch my shows. But the commercial is almost over, so uh, skedaddle. <clears throat> yeah. I also liked that he said, Oh, drat. Right, when, that's always good. I was trying to find the right the the moment when he says it because it's such a like really dramatic moment, and then he just says, "Oh, drat!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, he looks out the window and all these pieces of the earth are flying by. And he says, oh, drat, I knew that meant something. Take it easy. That's funny. But yeah. And then, so they just kind of sin beyond her off, which is pretty hilarious to think about. Right. Which isn't the, isn't the last time that happens in a series where someone's no. just like, all right, see ya. Yeah. Just like, all right, go do your thing, Mr. <laughs> Omnipotent. Man, child, God. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. So I don't remember what his name is at this point in time, but I thought it was funny that we, well, the X Men are, or the New Mutants are trying to console Professor X and a Legion or whatever his name was at the time. It's on the yeah. floor playing with blocks. I I wrote I made a note of that too. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. What is that big weird robot guy's name? Uh, Warlock. I hate him. Oh, that's right. I hate that guy. He looks ridiculous. I hate the way he talks. Yeah. He looks like. Do you remember that cartoon, uh, Robots, with Ooh. Ewan McGregor and uh, and uh, so much of it. it was it wasn't Pixar. It was like the the. Dream. Oh, it was a movie. Yeah, it was a movie. I never saw it, but I vaguely remember what you're talking about. Well, that he looks like one of those robots. Oh. Like that's kind of how they looked. That's funny. So it made me think of that. Yeah. So I want an uh, Avengers code, so I can just send planes wherever I want. I really like that. I thought that was really funny. And that guy was like, oh, I take your word for it, Captain America. Right. And then Captain America goes and tells the, the passengers, and of course they're all assholes about it. <laughs> they don't care that the world might be destroyed. They're right. worried about their flight. Right. I got a connecting flight. Yeah. But he convinces them. So That's good, as only I Captain guess. America can. So I thought in our recap we have a panel with a bunch of floating superhero heads. Including, uh, yeah. including our boy Wolverine. I thought it looked like a superhero choir. It does. It looks like a rock opera. Yes, yes. I wanted there's, to hear some Queen. Yeah, they're singing some kind of chorus. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree with that. So then we have the first real physical appearance of the Beyonder, and it is the worst. He looks so stupid. And not in a cool, like... You know, all right, so, all right, little, little kind of thing that only kids of the 80s will understand. We had a lot of G.I. Joes. Yeah. Particularly me and you, but I'm sure a lot of other of our listeners who are of our age also had a lot of G.I. Joes. Most likely. Enough to the point that there were several Joes that we had doubles or even triples of. Right. And not just your Vipers, so you can make an army of Vipers, but like legit characters. And we just yeah. had several figures, just... Either through getting old friends or, you know, back then you didn't do as many gift receipts. So if you got three tripwires at your birthday, you had three tripwires. <laughs> yeah. You burn and, one of them. And... Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but if you didn't destroy them or blow them up with firecrackers, another thing you could do that we did, that I remember specifically, is you could yeah. take them apart and reassemble them kind of like mashed up. Like, you know, put, yeah. put a Cobra arm on a G.I. Joe dude, put another guy's face on there, and, and make your own character. Of course, we they probably all look dumb, but we thought they were really cool. Like, yeah, well, here's this great. guy that's a cross between Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. He's the best ever. <laughs> you know, we put this to shame. <laughs> yeah. This is like the worst version of that ever. Though I yeah. kind of enjoy that he has Claw's um, math award hand. Um, yeah. <laughs> by by math and what I mean Dodo in case you, what was the name of that movie um, oh I don't remember oh, but I know what you're talking about yeah um, but I can't think of what the movie is dang I can't either 
What I thought of, particularly because of the mane that he has for some reason. I think that Storm's hair. Yeah, I think so. But because of that, he made me think of, and this is another only people who are kids in the 80s. You remember those little muscles? Yes, he does look like a muscle. Yeah. That's what he looks like to me. Yeah. His muscles were always just like crazy looking. And that's what that, to me, that's what I thought of when I first saw him. Oh, man, I miss my muscles. I know. And my real muscles, too. I miss those as well. Yeah, I'm a, I'm completely ripped, so I don't miss. I have toned the muscles. Well, that's now. good. That's good. Yeah, which I say that because we're on a podcast. Right, but. and no one can prove it. Right. Right. So we have we have a cool looking Wolverine on the cover. Our Wolverine entrance here is a real dud. We're in a Magneto with stolen Wolverine's hairdo. I was gonna mention that because yeah. I've seen that before. He always has. I mean, some people draw him with a little like old man wings but this is pretty yeah, extreme it is it, because it, it really this it really just looks like wolverine's hair yeah it just has the it's logan hair right it's just but white. he doesn't in when we get to the x-men he doesn't have it <laughs> no no that's the milgram thing yeah he, and he so it's just purely it's weird and it doesn't look very cool no it really doesn't <laughs> so, so my favorite part about the flying limousine is that magneto has to wave his hand out the window <laughs> yeah wait <laughs> <laughs> like he's literally know, like motioning it, motioning it along so in case McBurger was uh, too subtle we have a sideways coffee mug so you can see the golden arches for sure yeah well what I what I find the most amusing and the most ironic about the McDonald's relation in here <laughs> is that Remember we talked last time about Nimrod looking like a McDonald's toy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Georgie, well, by the guy, way, really loved that. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that on Twitter. This guy, the the guy that the Beyonder creates, also, to me, looks like a McDonald's toy. Yes, yeah, I can see game, that. The great irony there is that they then have a fight in a McDonald's parking lot. Yeah, no, he's a happy meal come to life. It is, yeah, it is exactly that happens. Yeah. And where does the Pegasus come from? Oh, he, he pulls it up with his power from his lightning bolt. Because the Beyonder gave him a fraction of his power so he can kind of create stuff. Okay. So, so the Beyonder didn't create that, so he actually was able to create that. I believe he conjured that with his imagination. All right. He looks stupid. I cannot that. believe how dumb that guy looks. It's but, pretty It's pretty lame. Yeah. There's a part where Magneto t- is given the X-Men orders. And he tells Kenny to phase, and Kenny's like, I know that. <laughs> no, that was kind of funny. <laughs> and then um, a reference to one of our nicknames. Uh, we have a lot of Jim Shooter giving his, his version of Cannonball's Southernisms, like where he talks about a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Yeah. Classic. It's not, it's not enjoyable. No. So, um, in the McDonald's, is that a dictator or Michael Jackson? <laughs> I don't know. I or both. Way. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Um, oh, um, there's a panel where Magneto is talking to Rachel, but it's really rogue. What? All right, so the panel, the page where Colossus crashes through the McDonald's windows and we see dictator Michael Jackson in the shadow. Right. At the bottom of that page, Magneto oh, is addressing yeah. Rachel, but the back of her but head is Rogue. Rogue's hair, yeah, that's yeah. funny. Um, well, how did the editors miss that one? 
So then uh, our, our golden douche guy goes on a tirade. And he says, uh, so the famous Captain America has come to defend the corrupt institutions he represents. All hail the champion of lies and justice and the American decay. Which I said to myself, not a bad line for an 80s cap villain, but really stupid from this Joker. Yeah. Well, I think this guy is interesting because he takes really? such a bizarre turn to crazy town. <laughs> yes, he does. Where it's like he's just a script writer. Yeah, but he and was so he, he was um a superpower. Uh, well, so he gets a superpower. Right. It's okay. So he's mad at the studios because they made him rewrite his scripts a few times. Right. All right. And so he attacks the studios. Then he we're attacking a McDonald's, and then now he turns on America. Right. Right. This is a really bizarre escalation of his of his anger. Well, he was mad at the Hollywood machine, which made yeah. him mad at commercialism, which then made him mad at capitalism. Yeah. It's, it's a logical progression. It is a logical progression. <laughs> it's rapid. Yes. Well, with great power comes great crazy. Yes. That's, that's true. That's what we've all learned. That's um, a good point. Yeah. Oh, when did Dazzler show up? I don't know, but she yeah, just... She's there. Up. I mean, I guess she was in California at this time. She's so. on the cover. Is she? It's right in the middle, isn't it? Isn't that her? Oh, yeah, I guess so. I didn't recognize her because she has red hair on the cover. Yeah, she looks like Rachel. She does, but then Rachel's over there. Actually, I think we yeah. have three Rachels. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like it. Yeah, I guess that is Dazzler on the cover. Though Dazzler's supposed to have blonde hair. Nothing about it. Rachel looks like Wolfsbane to me in this, in the inside. Oh, yeah, I can see that. The way her hair looks like it's shaved. I mean, it's pulled tight, but it looks kind of shaved. Right. And then uh, Wolverine slices the Beyonder. Yep. That was kind of cool. Is that the Beyonder? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, the, so yeah. Beyonder, he took on the form of Molecule Man. Yeah, that's right. He decided his uh, random mashup of Secret Wars heroes was not doing the trick. Yeah, and then we have a what looks like everyone restraining Wolverine for some reason. Yeah, you can't they're kill this. To stop him. Right, and their justification is we don't want to piss off the angry child god. But Not, then what are you there in the first place? Right. Yeah. The whole reason they're there is to stop him. Right. So it's a bizarre choice, and then of course McDonald's toy, Electro Man, whatever. <laughs> Does he get a name? I don't think he gets a name. Yeah, we'll call him, uh, I don't know. I, can't, I got nothing. Douche Bolt. <laughs> Douche Bolt. That's good. That's a good thing to just call anybody. I yeah. like that. Dude, yeah, that's not bad. Dude, quit being such a Douche Bolt. So Douche Bolt gets beaten up. Pegasus flies away. When he loses his little lightning trophy, which ended up being some like Shazam trophy he had. Yeah. Is, is So is this a gym shooter digging at uh, the fact that because I, how do you know how far after this this is that they won their cease and desist for DC calling Shazam Captain Marvel? Oh, I don't know. Okay, I didn't know. If this I don't was, know when that is, but that that uh, that would make sense that it might be related to that. Yeah, I don't know. It felt like a dig to me because why have yeah. a Shazam trophy in a Marvel <laughs> book? But yeah, I like that. It's not free uh, advertising. <laughs> tell you that. No. No, no, no. But what's also interesting is then this uh, douche bolt, once he loses the bolt, he becomes normal again, and then is no longer, like, just forgets all of it, and is now crying, and yeah. can't believe that he destroyed stuff. Right. 
I can't it's believe like, that. You had a reason is. why you were angry. It wasn't like you changed into that. You turned into douche bolt, and then you just lost connection with yourself and attacked a bunch of people. Right. It's like he attacked people specifically based around his current life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's pretty lame. But... And then the Beyonder becomes invisible. Yeah, and follows Cap home like a little cosmic puppy. Yep. All right. So, anything else you want to say on this first one? Um, did you notice that they spell out TV, T-E-E-V-E-E, a bunch of times in this comic? Uh, possibly. <laughs> I don't know why. I just don't know why. There's no real reason for it. It's pretty nitpicky. Right. It doesn't really matter, but it was just, I saw it and I was like, why? Maybe, uh, maybe the letterer got paid by the letter. Maybe. If so, if the letters got paid by the letter, I would sign up for every Jim Shooter book ever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll letter that. I need to buy a new house. Why not? <laughs> Chris Claremont and Jim yeah. Shooter were making, they were letterer's best friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh I oh, also oh, forgot. Oh, oh. I thought this was really funny. So when, when uh, Beyonder breaks into the scriptwriter's house. Mm hmm. All this commotion happens. He turns the guy into douche bolt, and then the girlfriend fell asleep at some point in the midst of all that. Well, it's because she ate an apple. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that's really what they're trying to do? I don't know. So Beyonder turns his desk into a giant pile of apples. And the girl eats an apple, and then she sits down on the couch and goes to sleep. I know, but she's holding the remote. Like, she just oh, yeah, she is. TV and fell asleep, even though we're having all of this craziness happen around her. Right. I thought that was such a bizarre choice that is to weird. have, especially because the guy even makes it. It's not like she's just there. No. He actually says to her, hey, yeah. look at me. Oh, she's asleep. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Wake her up. You just got turned into a superhero. Right. She's going to want to see this. Yeah. No, no. It's also funny that he says, look at me. I've become a superhero. And then immediately is a supervillain. Right. Yeah. Although I guess he didn't see himself that way. So I don't know. No, he was, he was bringing down the man. Otherwise. Yeah. That's all I have to say about this. Right. What do you think of the art? Mr. Milgram's art here. Um, it's okay. I thought it was very meh. Um, It's not terrible like it maybe will be later, but it's not good either. It's just kind of, everybody's real stiff, which is kind of a Milgram trait. We had Milgram first showed up on the podcast at Ghost Snitch with our Kitty Pride and Wolvie series where he did some pretty cool covers and then some cool panels interspersed with a lot of kind of boring, stiff art. I felt like there wasn't much exciting in this at all. Kind of your typical... Straight ahead, poseable Milgram. Yeah, it didn't really do much for me. It looked older. Yeah. It looked like late 60s, early 70s art. Except you can tell from the inking that it's not. Yes, yeah. But the way it's drawn reminded me of like an older... Just because, like you said, everyone is kind of stiff. The faces are all kind of not very detailed. Right. And then just randomly over-detailed faces. Where Professor X wakes up, or when the douche bolt starts crying at the end, they become really elaborately detailed. But yeah, a lot of it is very. It's like he drew everyone too small, so they wouldn't have to really do much with the faces. 
is almost what it kind of seems like. Yeah. yeah uh, not, not impressive. So, and as far as the story, I'm going to say something a little bit shocking here. Well, okay. Um, the first half of it, anyway. I thought Jim Shooter's idea of the Beyonder wanting to experience kind of the human condition is yeah. silly, but it's not terrible. It's not a terrible idea. But his execution of the Beyonder wanting to experience the human condition is both silly and terrible. Um, I, I actually agree with you. Yeah. And and the, that I think this is this is not bad. It's not good. Oh no, I think it's not bad. I think it's pretty bad. <laughs> I think the yeah, idea I, of it is okay. I but... think that the the writing is bad. Right. Dialogue's terrible. Dialogue is terrible. I think the story is alright. I kind of I, I you know, reading this one first, now once we get into the next couple, it, it is a very rapid downhill slide. Right. But here, even as stupid as Douchebolt is, I was kind of like, well, okay, so he's – the Beyonder part of it is, is interesting. It's like, well, he's just going to go around and do weird stuff. And so I didn't I didn't mind it so much, even though I did think Douchebolt was stupid. Yeah. But the idea that, that, he's, that he's just going to go and he's experimenting and trying to find out what he can do, Beyonder that is. Right. Uh, it was interesting, I think. And so if, while I, I wouldn't say this is bad – overall okay but you know it's definitely not good okay well um i <laughs> you know it's talking about uh i think they should we, we should do a secret wars 2 movie where michael keaton is the beyonder <laughs> and, and he can he can redo his line from the tim burton batman where he goes you want to get nuts <laughs> all right let's get nuts yeah and that is yeah. the beyonder does just get nuts and this whole story just gets nuts but um okay let's talk about it let's grade it what are you going to grade secret wars 2 number one um i'm gonna give it five out of six (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i almost believed you for a second um no i'm gonna give it a two okay all right yeah i'm gonna give it a uh i'm gonna give it one out of six now going into this series remember I'm not particularly fond of either of these creators. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll just kind of, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, so pretty. And pretty... I think part of it, part of it too for me is that because I did remember liking this, I'm trying to find out, I'm trying to remember why I liked it. And so I right. was less down on this because in my head, I'm like, well, I did like it. So maybe it gets better. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Which is, that's you know, at reading one. That's what I thought. Right. And so I think maybe this appealed more to me because I do remember liking it. Right. But. Well, at the end, we need to talk a little bit more about that. I'm, I'm very interested to hear hear your thoughts on that. I, I have a good idea of why I liked it when we right. get to it. All right. Well, that's uh, issue one. Let's move on to our, we'll take our, a sidebar to our first tie-in. Coming right first up. First tie-in. All right, so up next we have our first Secret Wars 2 tie-in in Uncanny X-Men number 196. Okay, so uh, we have Uncanny X-Men 196 with Chris Claremont writing, John Rita Jr., Dan Green, artists, Glennis Oliver, colorist, and Tom Warzachowski, letterer, the regular team. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. We have a cover. In the corner, it says Secret Wars 2 continues in this issue, just to let the readers know. Yeah. 
And we have a cover that I kind of think is pretty badass. I like this cover quite a bit. I really, I'm, I ended up not going with it, but this was almost the episode image. Yeah. But well, I, really I cool. like it. It's got a brick wall, basically, with, so on the, on the closest to you, the viewer, you have Wolverine's hand with his claws popped out. Yeah. Glimmering, which looks really cool. And then you have a brick wall with a spotlight behind Wolverine, so you can see the head, Wolverine's head. And then in between the brick wall and the Wolverine, you have a person in an all-black suit, kind of a gimp suit. Yeah, a little bit. With all I'm not really sure where where that comes from. Oh. Because I don't think there is anyone in a suit like that in the whole comic. Well, oh, I guess. Yes, I, yeah. But she doesn't have a mask. Is she not mask, in any of it? I don't think so. Okay. So that, that but I mean, hides the the hides the character so i okay we could deal with it and it looks kind of cool oh, even it looks if it's great yeah even if it's not in the comic it looks cool she looks like she's holding up a 80s prostitute because of the way the the drawing it looks like it's fishnet stockings but it you does. find out later that that's not who it is but well uh, so it looks like rogue and storm on the ground which is interesting yeah. because one of those one of those is not here and then it looks like she's holding the new shadow cat costume but almost looks like she has a Doctor Doom mask on. <laughs> yeah, as a fishnet stockings and a Doom mask. It's yeah. a, it's a weird look, yeah. but it looks cool. No, I like it. I like that Wolverine's hand and claws are like in a red hue, and yeah. I think his shadow on the wall. Um, because they didn't go really dark shadow, so you can still see like the bricks in the shadow. I just thought it was a really nice composition. Yeah, I agree. And it doesn't hurt that uh, Terry Austin did the inks. Of course, this is a John Romita Jr. cover. And nothing get him and Dan Green made a great team. But there's just something about Terry Austin that gives a little extra pop, I think. Yeah, I agree. But no, I think this is a great cover. Yep, yep. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right, so we open up with... We open up at Columbia University in New York City where Charles Xavier is teaching... That's already been revealed, right? Yes. Yeah, because remember he got mugged at the campus. That's right. That's yeah. right. I was trying to remember when, how long he had been teaching there. It's not been that long, but but they've already talked about it before. It hasn't been that many issues, but remember they there was that issue where they skipped a bunch of time, and he's like, oh, I've been here like six months. Oh, out that's of, right. Out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yes. All right, so he's at university, Columbia University. He's given a speech, and he gets a feeling... That some of his former that students... That tonight's gonna be a good night. <laughs> no, because no. It's, they're planning an assassination. Oh, well. So. <laughs> it's not gonna be a good night. <laughs> but he can't figure out who for some reason. So that's how we open this. Then on page three, we cut to the Serengeti where we have a storm with a very bizarre face. <laughs> <laughs> who sees a lion and looks like she's having a conversation with a lion and then someone shoots the lion and then they shoot her and then it turns out it was some rich dicks who want to poach and right. so they shot Storm so they could do more poaching well it's the same poachers that she busted up last time oh yeah in the bar yeah so specifically they've attacked her and that's it and we don't see Storm again so it's a <laughs> very like here's a quick just don't forget about Storm right but we will not dedicate more than we will not dedicate two full two full pages. No, no, one's enough. It gets up to one and a half pages of <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> anyway, so now we jump to a deli of some kind. Sure. Where the X Men are having dinner with Magneto, 
the Wolverine hair is gone from Magneto, which is good. Yes. And hilariously, the waiter at this deli is Nimrod's biggest fan. It <laughs> <laughs> makes several comments about how if Nimrod was here, he would handle everything. <laughs> right, right. If Nimrod was here, I would get a better tip. <laughs> if Nimrod yeah. was here, he'd wash the damn dishes. That's right. And so that was really random, but I found it very, very amusing. Yeah. Especially considering how stupid Nimrod is. <laughs> so, um, now, at this dinner, Professor X tells people that he took some kind of chemical that is blocking his power, which is not true. And no one believes him. And so it's just one of those things. <laughs> then the Beyonder shows up and orders a sandwich. Right. Rachel tries to approach the Beyonder, but then he disappears. Uh, the Beyonder, by the way, who, when we get back to Secret Wars issue two, has taken Captain America's form. Yeah, okay, so yeah. you can't really tell in this issue, but that is supposed to be Steve Rogers. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, so he, he decided that's the best, that's the ideal human, I guess. <laughs> Which, I, you know, Ooh. Hitler would agree. Yeah. So, <laughs> us blonde Aryan is the ideal human. Right. So, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, take away the racism of it and just say, right. you know, he's a good-looking man. So yeah, that's he's, a, he's you can buff. go far in society as a good-looking yeah. man, so. But he takes a sandwich, and so Rachel approaches him, and he disappears. Kitty comes over and says, who are you talking to? I didn't see anybody. And so that was weird. Uh, then we cut to Nightcrawler, who goes to a church yeah. to talk to a priest about how he's seen – he believes he's seen God because he believes the Beyonder with all his power must be God, but that God is evil. And so Nightcrawler is really having a real crisis of faith. Right. Which I like, because I like all the Nightcrawler as a guilt-ridden Catholic. I like when we start really seeing that <laughs> a lot more. Is this the is this the first in, in interaction of him in a church, or has he done stuff before? I, you know, he's talked about it. I think this might... I can't remember if, um, if he did any church stuff in God Loves, Man Kills. He talked about it. But yeah, he may... talked, talked about faith a couple times, but I... I think this is the first time where we see him in a church conversing with a priest. Okay, yeah, it could be. But I, I could be wrong. But either way, it's it's early. So, but yeah, he's having a real crisis of faith, which is uh, which is interesting. I think. Then we cut back to Professor X's office, where someone is setting some kind of bomb under his desk. Then we see Rogue flying through the air, carrying Rachel, and Rachel is trying to find the people that are trying to kill. Somebody, whoever Professor X is, because Professor X doesn't know who's tra- right. who they're trying to kill. And, of course, they're also trying to find the Beyonder in that same context. Uh, they then try to stop a mugging, but then it turns out the mugger or the guy that got mugged was all Nimrod's other fan. Yeah. And so he, he was against mutants. Yeah, he's a bigot. Yeah. Right. And so Rachel gets real mad and blows up the wall where he was spray painting Nimrod number one, Muties Die. Right. And a huge explosion that leaves a little hole in the wall. <laughs> Looks like a whole building blew up. Right. Um, and then Beyonder walks by and says, oh, she's pretty powerful. Interesting. <laughs> so now we, then we go to a, a hilarious series of panels that is, it is 100%. An after-school special anti-smoking skit. Yeah, no, it's a PSA straight up. 
It is a straight up PSA where Kitty smokes a cigar, right? Gags and coughs a bunch, and Wolverine says you shouldn't smoke cigars, which is hilarious and ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty Kitty. great. Yeah. So then Kitty goes into the school, into a lab. She finds a bunch of students there. She steals some of their pizza randomly. <laughs> um, and then they turn on her very quickly, not because of the pizza, but because they think she may be a mutant. Right. And so a guy with a jerry curl confronts her, calls her a mutie. Right. And then she uses the N-word. Whoa. Hilariously. Yeah. And awfully at right. the same time. Yeah. So... Which maybe I guess they're trying to push the idea that mutie is as offensive as the N-word. You want to come back to this or get it all out now? Yeah, let's come back to that. Let's okay. come back to that. So um, anyway, they so this Jericho man pulls out a gun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no stereotypes there. Right, not at all. And then they say, what are we going to do with her? And they say basically they're going to kill her and Professor X. Dun, dun, dun. Right. And then they mace her in the face and put chloroform on her. And <laughs> Double whammy. Passes out. I know. What's the mace part? It's pretty funny. Too much. And so outside, Colossus, Wolverine, and Rogue are just hanging out on the steps. <laughs> Wolverine looks Then we awesome. go into Professor Rex's office. Rachel, for some reason, can see the Beyonder. And so she sees him, which is, I guess, what happened to the deli, too. Right. Although he ordered a sandwich, so the deli guy could see him. I don't know. So she uses her psi power to let Professor X and Magneto also see the Beyonder. But this triggers the bomb, which then blows up into some kind of crazy psi attack mm-hmm. uh, that she calls the psi scream. Rachel then completely flips out, blows Professor X and Magneto out the window. Then <laughs> <laughs> it started off pretty ugly, but she, she throws them through the roof, we'll say. They fly out the window, and then we get a Wolverine snicked and a fastball special. Oh, in the same panel. Awesome. In the same panel, although Wolverine is wearing a bizarre turtleneck. <laughs> well, you know. And what looks like very tight pants. <laughs> so he finds Rachel, who's on the ground, who then suddenly turns into a black outfit with stripes on her face. Yeah, and little spikes. And little spikes, uh, which is the cover picture, but without the mask. Right. Wolverine says, who are you? And she flies out the window to go save Kitty because she can sense that Kitty's in trouble. So we get back over here to Jerry Curl Man who's choking Kitty. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Mason chloroform. Why does she need to choke her? I don't know. He's choking her though. And now Mr. Blondebeard is trying to stop him. Right. But he's saying they got to kill all the mutants or some, some kind of anti-mutant thing. And then... Uh, Rachel blows a hole in the wall again, rescues Kitty. Jericho man shoots his gun at Rachel. Rachel stops the bullet and turns it around towards the that guy's face. And then Magneto shows up and stops the bullet right in his face. Yeah, it's pretty intense. It is pretty intense. It reminds me of that scene in the movie where the bullet yeah, 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 yeah. pushed on the guy's forehead. And so we have a pretty a, a pretty interesting interchange between Magneto and Rachel. Rachel really flipping to the old Magneto side of wanting to kill and punish the anti-mutant people. Right. But Magneto arguing that all that does is feed into the stereotype. And so the violence is not the answer. And so, yeah, you have a pretty good exchange. We can come back to that more in a little bit. 
Um, ultimately, Rachel decides not to kill this guy, but she's not happy about it. And so she turns back into her 80s leg warmers and tights. <laughs> late for dance class, apparently. Right. For her try- tryouts for... Uh, Fame. Fame, there you go. Yeah. I lost it. Almost ruined my own joke. Um, and then Kitty says thank you, and that's the end. Oh, oh, and the, the Beyonder, we have a couple of panels of the Beyonder, who basically just muses about how he's confused by the mutants. Right. Yeah. He doesn't understand these guys. They have all this power, but they're not using it for their own benefit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's very confused by them. Oh, and Rachel mind wipes all of those guys. <laughs> kill mind wipe. Mind wipe. They won't remember anything. So. Right. Awesome. Well, so my first favorite panel is on the first page. We have Professor X in a knitted tie. Yes. It looks like a knit. Yep. And a little bar behind it. Yeah, one of those little tie bars. Yeah. Which I guess if it's a knitted tie, maybe you need a tie bar. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe it's a tweed tie. Yeah, maybe so. I had a tie kind of like that when I was a kid. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It was even navy blue, like that kind of is. Maybe it was the same time. Maybe so. Wow. Maybe he yep. gave it to me and then mind wiped me, so I'd forget. <laughs> Maybe you were one of the guys that tried to kill Kitty. <laughs> yeah, I found the tie in the in the exploded office, but I yeah. forgot where I got it from. Yeah. Well, my first crazy panel, three crazy panels right in a row, the lion that Storm confronts or is talking to, Looks like the Wizard of Oz lion. A little bit, yeah. And then, I don't know what happens to Storm's face and why her eyes turn into snake eyes. Well, she uh, more like cat eyes, and she ages her about 90 eyes. years. Yeah, she, get, she got real old real quick. Yeah. But the two panels below that, I like both of those a lot. Uh, yeah. The blam behind Storm getting shot in the head, and then her <clears> being <throat> laying in the grass to die. I thought those yeah. were both great panels. Right, yeah, I agree. The rest panels. of the page is iffy. That's kind of John Ermeener in this issue. A little iffy. Some great panels yeah. and some iffy art. That's Which, a good way to put it. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with Wolverine's head <laughs> in in a lot of the scenes, but especially in the deli scene. Right. I just don't know what's happening there. Yeah. And why he has such a tight collar on his neck. Why the shirt of his, the neck of his shirt is so tight. I don't know. But it's the mid-80s, so I don't know. So on page oh. five, um, what, go ahead. No, go ahead. On page five, we have mysterious Logan, where Rogue's trying to press him for information on the prof, and he's like, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. Yeah, and Rogue looks like she just got done developing crack. Looks <laughs> like she's she's coming down from uh, an all night first speed trip. Bit. Yeah finally got her hands on some of the good CIA stuff, and so she's she's falling apart. But then it looks fine in the next panel, so I guess she yeah. got it together pretty quick. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. so uh, the sandwich I thought was really funny. I don't know why I thought that was so funny, but it was just a random... The Beyonder happens to be in the deli where the X-Men are, and so he just orders a sandwich. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. I have a feeling you're a little more amused by the Beyonder than I am. But um, we'll, we'll, probably we'll talk about that some more. Yeah, I agree. I thought Nightcrawler's Crisis was pretty cool, 
it kind of bugs me that it's the Beyonder and such a lame character that's causing the crisis. But I mean, what are you going to do? I, I have a whole religious theory that I'll, I'll get to when we get towards the end. Okay. That I think works works a little bit with this. I, I agree with you though that I don't like that his crisis of faith is because of this weirdo. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Well, definitely full cigar. We've gone full cigar by this yeah, point. We're now we're now up to the full cigar. We're, we'll still see if it stays thin. this time. Yeah. Yeah, still a little bit thin, but long like a real cigar. Yeah. All right, so inward. Yeah, let's let's get it. Let's parse <laughs> let's this it. out. Yeah, let's talk oh. about that and the Confederate flag. Let's deal with both <laughs> issues. <laughs> just kidding. Let's just stick with Jerry Curl and the inward. Okay, but take it down though, seriously. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I understand it's a little bit different time. Yeah. And I understand. You know, it's funny, me and Andrew were talking about Andrew, who's been on a few flashback episodes as well. We're talking about this the other day about the use of the N-word in uh, literature, uh, specifically talking about William Faulkner. And yeah. Faulkner's one of those kind of weird, where kind of, and even like uh, Huck Finn and stuff like that, that it kind of walks the line of using it as satire and social commentary, but sometimes also feels overtly racist. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird balancing act in some of the old, like, American literary greats that just that use the word in, in weird ways. So maybe Claremont is trying to channel some of that. I agree with you on the one hand, that he is trying to make a point in, in beefing up how offensive mutiny is, yeah. as a term, like, as a, as a derogative. My problem is... And of course, Kitty, first of all, Kitty has a history with this word. She used it in uh, God Loves, Man Kills, right? That was her, right? Or was that somebody else? Oh. It was the same type of situation where she's like, well, how would you like it if I said this? And I'm pretty sure it was Kitty. I, I actually don't, I honestly don't remember okay. who it was. So, I, I think you're probably right, though. But the thing, and I know Kitty is impetuous, and she, I mean, she's a teenage girl, so cut her some yeah. slack. But I feel like for someone who's coming in here trying to get information, why she would intentionally escalate the aggression, which is what she's doing. Or if she doesn't, if she's not doing that, she doesn't know how to use words. Because I I, I guess the way I kind of put it to me, of course, I'm not Kitty Pride, But if I were, I, I would say something to the effect of, Muni, don't you realize that would be like if I said the N word? But I would say what I just said and not the actual N-word itself. Right. Like I would point out, this is the same thing, but without calling them that. And especially because she does it very kind of aggressively. And there's just, there's no way she's not adding to the attention and the aggression. And to me, that makes it almost then not showing how offensive Muni is, but just being offensive in return. And so I don't know, that struck me as kind of weird and a little bit in poor taste, but yeah, I think, I mean, it's the eighties. It is a long time, you know, you know, certainly people, when we were kids in the eighties, people use this term, What it reminded me of, and I, and, and I think we're, we're basically saying pretty similar things, right? The idea that, that she's escalating this in a way, it reminded me of that. 
I don't know if you ever did you did you watch Glee the show Glee? No, no, I never did. I watched the first couple of seasons and got tired of it. But they had one particularly good episode where one of the kids' dads did a whole thing over over the word the the f word for gay. Okay. I don't know if I, don't know if I want to use it on there or not. But That's fine. Either way, that word and made a whole comparison with using that word like the n word. Like he didn't say the n word, but but comparing it and saying right. this is the same thing. And I get. It's very much like where you have people who are trying to connect real historic oppression right. to something that people are maybe more aware to, about now. Mm-hmm. And so, well, this is the same thing, even though we hadn't really talked about this for 100 years, but it's all the same thing. I think the problem with it, like you said, is it's not done, it's not done well here. And it, it's added to the fact that the the guy's kind of drawn a little bit racistly and then he pulls a gun out. And so it's real, very, he's very stereotypical. Right. Right. And so it's, it's a, it reminded me more of just when you have people who, who want to make their issue as big a deal as other people's issue, even if they're not the same, which in the context of X-Men, arguably mutant is a bigger thing than race because we will of course have widespread murdering of mutants and registration acts and all those crazy things that will come as time goes on and so in the the in the x universe the human versus mutant divide does become more volatile and violent than the race divide but as a reader muty doesn't mean anything to us so yeah put those two next to each other they, now, in the 80s, I don't know that anybody – I mean, the average 15-year-old kid reading this in the 80s probably would have just been like, oh, man, I can't believe she said that. Right. I guess to me, it almost – it almost – and maybe just modern sensibilities, like you said, but it almost has the opposite of the intended effect. Yeah, I agree. Because I, to me, I, I if you're reading a story and they say muties and you're, you're always seeing, like, bad, bigoted people use the word, then you know it's a derogatory term. And you're like, hey, no, these are my X-Men. You can't call them unis. You know, ah. And it, it, it works in the fictional universe. But when you put the word side by side with a super offensive real life word, yeah. then it just makes muni sound silly and not like an actual offense. Like, it just sounds like a joke next to an actual real offensive word. Yeah, And so to me, it kind of drains any of the drama out of the whole concept of having muni is a derogatory term for mutant when you put it up next to something that is super hurtful in real life. Yeah. I'll also say it also hurts the moment because the guy, he's the only black person there. <laughs> right. It's a collection of people who are mostly white and a guy who maybe he's supposed to be Asian or Hispanic, but, but either way, it's a multiracial coalition that is against mutants. Right. And so it, it, yeah, it's really, it's a weird, it's very out of place, I think, and not well done. And I, I think a lot of it, like you said, you can chalk it up to it being the 80s, but it, it's, uh, I don't know, I was I was a little startled by it. I, I feel less of being the 80s and more of just Claremont overextending his reach. Well, there's, and you know, as, as great as Claremont is, he is a white dude. <laughs> and, and a lot of times you can, you can, it, it comes through in his writing. Yeah. Not always, but he, 
you know, when he writes characters of color and women, it sometimes it kind of comes off. I mean, you can you, the fact that he doesn't understand women or minorities <laughs> comes out sometimes. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. I don't but, think he means to. I think he's no, trying. But I think he also makes him. really good strides in the in favor yeah, of diversity. Absolutely. So it's given. I was going to say he's doing more than a lot of people are doing, and so that's great. And again, it is the mid eighties, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Most people will probably not care about any of this. But. Yeah, that's okay. So moving on from Polly's side to uh, just straight up humor. One of my favorite parts about this issue was you have this ragtag group of mutant haters. Mutant haters, yeah, who who cannot successfully mace, chloroform, or choke a teenage girl, <laughs> but they can build a bomb. That not only attacks psychic powers, but is triggered by psychic powers. Yeah. Like, it's like this super advanced, like, biological anti-mutant bomb. But they can't knock out a 15-year-old. I'm going to say it's because they got book smarts, not ah, street smarts. But he has a gun and a jerry curl. He's got street smarts, yo. I think he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like he does. <laughs> That's where the stereotype fails. He's really that's just, it. just a dumb nerd. That's where, that's where it is. We all see, you all assume, well, right. he's, he's going to be this way. But no, he's just a nerd like the other guys. <laughs> he's just a nerd with a jerry curl. And so he doesn't know any more than anybody else does about killing people. That's funny. I don't know. I, they don't, I, I, wondered, I wondered if they were going to explain more about like where they got that bomb. I'm kind of glad they did it. It's kind of dumb that it doesn't seem like they could do it, but I think if they would have gone too far to explain it, it would have been dumber. Well, I thought there was going to be something more behind it. Oh, like like someone else gave it to him? Like there's someone pulling the strings? Like there was going to be another figure behind it. Right, like feeding the hate. Um, Right. Maybe a a villain. Right. That seems like a really good um, Emma Frost kind of thing to do. Yeah. In this era, you know? Right. But no, it's just some college kids. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Well, are you pro <laughs> or con on Rachel's hound face? I don't like the stripey face. Okay. Good. So we can disagree. I do like the stripey face with the little yeah. facial tattoos or whatever. With the white eyes. Yeah. All right. I don't really have a lot to say about it, but I'm kind of glad we disagree about something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just makes her look like a tiger to me. <laughs> Rawr. Yeah. This kitten has claws. Is it supposed to be a marking that she received or it's just a tattoo? I don't know. I don't okay. remember. I did. I can't remember if there's a more. Because, you know, like, you know, fast forwarding, Bishop will have the M on his face. Right, 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 which right. Is like, and so I was trying to remember if this was this was a tagging that she really received in the camps or whatever. Or if it's just this is a tattoo she had. Mm-hmm. but doesn't have it in this timeline for some reason. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. So on page 20, Rachel does a no-no. She says, talks about them being inhuman. And I yeah. said, oh, nope, that's a sore word for X fans right now. Yep, I thought that too. <laughs> but like you, I agree. I thought the best part of the book was the conflict between Rachel and Magneto. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed that. It was pretty well done, I thought. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. All right, so what did you, uh, you think of the art? This one. Um, it's good, but spotty. Right. 
This, all right, so this, you know, we haven't really had it in this run that John Romita's had so far. Like, he's been pretty consistently really good. This yeah. issue fits more my memory of him. Because my memory yeah. of his first X-Men run is more like really great stuff with some not-so-great stuff, and that's kind of where I felt this issue was. So it'll be in- interesting to me to see as we move through if his art becomes more like this or if it's more of the great stuff and I just don't remember it correctly. So I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so the story I thought was pretty good. Definitely the best thing we'll read this episode. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I thought even the Beyonder was a little less dumb in this issue in Claremont's hands. Well, And I think too, again, going back to my hopefulness that this series was going to pay off, reading the first one, which was lame but i thought had good ideas then reading this okay i'm 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 still on board with what the beyonder is going to do with this comic i will say i actually had several of the tie-ins for this in the other books and so i've been reading them along as well most of them were pretty awful this one's pretty good and the incredible hulk one is pretty good um, all the Spider-Man ones are terrible. Um, are they? Yeah. Um, there's some other pretty bad ones. I think I've read ones. them before, but I don't remember now. Yeah, they're, but, um, yeah. All right. Well, anything else before we grade this one? I don't think so. All right. Well, I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men 196, four out of six claws. What do you got? I was going to go the same, four. Okay. Well, at least we disagreed on her face. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump back to the main series, huh? we have to okay (laughs) just kidding kidding. i'm excited about it all right all right all right all right matthew mcconaughey just walked in and opened some candy or something what i was getting the comics out of the bag (laughs) okay so moving back into the regular series we're going to talk about secret wars 2 Issue 2 through 5. Now, Wolverine is not in Issue 2. Basically, all you need to know about this one is that the Beyonder decides that just following people around and observing them is cheating himself out of a lot of experience. So he makes himself kind of human to uh, experience the human condition firsthand. Pretty sure he makes some allusions to sex and loses his virginity at some point. He bites the top off of a bottle because he thinks that's how you eat the drink, which I, I wanted to ask you, is that worse or better than K-Pax eating the whole banana? <laughs> I'm going to say this is worse. Yeah, it's pretty bad. once you bite into the glass, it seems like it would be apparent that this is not food. Right. If you ate a whole banana, it's going to taste weird, but it's still edible. Yeah, maybe so. But then again, the Beyonder can probably digest all the glass, so I don't know. Anyway, uh, we also... We also have a terrible Fantastic Four interlude that sucks. And uh, Spider-Man literally potty trains the Beyonder. (laughs) He really, really does. And that is issue two. So, moving on to issue three. Wait, wait, no. We got to say a couple more things. Okay, hit it up. You're going to really robbing your your listeners. (laughs) Because this... This becomes so utterly ridiculous right off the bat. Yeah. And, I, you know, the, the, the podcast you did uh, on the first Secret Wars was really fantastic. But I think this 
this gets so crazy so much quicker. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And just becomes so ridiculous. And so the potty training is a great one where he talks about the pressure in his stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man says, I think you need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) It's pretty funny. And then then it says moments later. So do that in here, which is great. That he, which, you know, gives us that he actually explained to the, the beyonder right. going to the bathroom. the actual mechanics of taking a piss yeah. the mechanics or, of or in dropping pers- a deuce we don't know um, but it said pressure is lower stomach yeah. so I'm gonna go, yeah, for, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, go with, for a number two here I'm gonna go with diarrhea yeah cha 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 I was gonna also mention he gets beaten up by street toughs yeah buddy and <laughs> just immediately heals himself which is so funny because he gets beaten up, he's all bruised, he's bloody, his hair's messed up, his clothes, and he just snaps his finger, and suddenly he's back to being perfect. Right. When you have the homeless lady who gives him style points. Yeah. She hooks him up. Um, and then the Luke Cage issue. I think the virginity thing is not in this issue. Oh, is it not? No, I, I think you're right, but he makes some other reference. See if I have the page number. Because issue three is when... He meets the prostitute and then begins to get laid constantly. I could be wrong though. There might have been something small in there, a reference about it, but Oh I, <laughs> No, I mean because Okay. And he's talking about how the human experiences are so intense. And then he says, A quick scan of the world using senses beyond the limits of this human body indicates that many humans are in the midst of such experiences now, especially in the immediate vicinity. Which just made it sound like he's like in the middle of a circle jerk section or something. Oh, I I was thinking more like... I'm sure it just meant like, oh, all these emotions, but I don't know. Well, I was thinking more like he was just watching people have sex. Oh, okay, right. Or he could hear them or whatever. Yeah. I also wanted to go over a couple of lines that I thought were hilariously awful. When Spider-Man, and he's chasing Spider-Man into the elevator, and he starts asking questions. <laughs> but I, I don't know why I found it so amusing, but because he uses the wrong question word. Because he says, why is clothing? What is its purpose? What is the significance? Why is eating? <laughs> <laughs> such a stupid weird thing they they do a decent job of of showing you how little he knows but at the same time it's it's so silly it's it's something it's just a whole issue of just utter nonsense yes completely yeah so that's a that's a one okay but wolverine's not in there so officially we don't rate it but right if we were going to rate it it would be a one possibly zero (laughs) We do zeros. I don't know if we've ever done a zero uh, before. You're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so issue number three is this world is mine. Same creative team as issue number one. On the cover, nope. <laughs> this cover's <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah. So it's the Beyonder with evil glowing pink eyes attacking the world, and the heroes are all around the world, and they all look terrible. Yep. Everything on this cover just looks terrible. Even like your your traditional like North American continent on the globe doesn't look right. No, it's just not good. It looks like someone made up a little planet and just drew stuff on it and then said, hey, it's the Earth. And then apparently the polar ice cap on the North Pole is like miles high. Yeah. 
in proportion yeah, these to are like huge cavern or huge mountains yeah. all vertical. I mean that's where Santa lives, so Well yeah, yeah. This is why we can't find Santa. Right. Because he protects his borders. Exactly. <laughs> He's entrenched in the fortress of solitude up there. Yeah, well I think Trump built that wall for him. Okay. Because <laughs> no one builds walls like Trump. That's at least, true. At least according to Donald Trump. Right. Alright, well, so in this issue, um, first of all, the Beyonder gets tired and takes a nappy nap. Then he goes from <laughs> Then he goes from one unhilariously gullible situation to another until he proves himself the goose from beyond that lays the golden egg. And a two-bit crook takes him under his wing and teaches him all the ropes of organized crime. And since we didn't get one in issue two, we need a recap. We really need a recap. Really bad. A very long recap. A very long recap of the original Secret Wars, which is actually our only Wolverine appearance. Yeah. And Beyonder changes his name to Frank uh, and relaxes. Oh, wait, no, that's Frankie. Sorry. Um, and, strikes, <laughs> and strikes out on his own, taking over the Kingpin's operation. Then he yeah. decides to control the whole world... Except Molecule Man on a molecular level. Talk about micromanaging. But he gets bored and restores free will to the universe. He tries to join the Avengers because they use their powers altruistically. But it ends poorly. Asterisk, I guess I don't actually have that tie-in issue. Yeah, I assume. And so, Molecule Man and Lava Girl continue to watch their shows. They're terrible. Someone shoot me in the face. Um... <laughs> Alright, so I will give Shooter Smurfette. That was actually kind of funny when the bodyguard was called Smurfette. That was funny. His outfit oh my is hilarious. Goodness. Yes. It's so gloriously 80s. <laughs> yeah. In all the worst ways. Um, my, I, wrote a, I wrote a one-line summary. Instead of taking any notes on this one, I just wrote the line, Beyonder gets laid and starts becoming the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> That's what I felt like this was. Like, he just, he's tired, he's sad on the first page. Right. A prostitute takes him, I, no, he wait. gets laid, and then suddenly he starts getting rich and crazy and running yeah. everything. It but just, it works, because here, here's your slogan. I don't always eat food, but when I do, I put it in a Cuisinart. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Cuisinart sails through the roof. That's right. So my only other comment was, wait. So he knows the concept of years in our time, but can't recognize or handle numbers like the room number. Oh, wait, you know what? Forget I asked. <laughs> yeah, it is more nonsense. Better than two, I think. Sure. Because there were a few things that I found funny, like the Smurfette thing. Yeah. Just the idea that like I said, he gets laid and then takes everything over and gets really fat and then just makes himself ripped again. <laughs> All ridiculous, but yeah, super more ridiculous. entertaining than two, though not very entertaining. Right. So I thought this art was incredibly boring, borderline bad. Yep. And as far as the story, I wrote in my notes that reading this gave me a nosebleed. <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote, do we have to keep reading this? <laughs> yeah, th this one is 
This one is stupid. I I didn't. I don't think I laughed as much as you did. I really only laughed at Smurfette. Now I I'm laughing at you saying some of it because that's funnier than reading it. But yeah, I just I I didn't enjoy this at all. It wasn't it wasn't bad fun. It was just bad to me. I don't know. Maybe you're I in a different place. I found it bad fun. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm now, glad. Number, now issue two, just boring. Yeah. Just ridiculous and boring. But this one, I found it. I found it humorous. Right. Well, I'm so glad. I was okay so, with this one. So you should have a higher grade than me because I I'm gonna give it a zero out of six claws. <laughs> <laughs> I hated this <laughs> so much. Um, yeah. All right. When, um, when are you gonna give? I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give it a one. Okay. Oh. And I, I would give two a zero. I didn't know we did zero claws. So okay. If we didn't grade two, but I'm just to, just right. to clear that up there. Yeah. So it's begun a, a descent, a very rapid descent from uh, one, which is not good, but not awful. Right. And then, yeah, it's, right. it's ridiculous. Well, so Wolverine also uh, skips issue number four, which I should have. Basically, the Beyonder tries to woo Dazzler. And if you've listened to this podcast at all, you can imagine how much I loved that. Yeah, I the line where he says she may be the most powerful mutant of all. I almost screw you, Jim Shooter. <laughs> <laughs> I know you helped create the stupid character, but besides Brian Michael Bendis, no one gives a fart. I also didn't understand because in the well, no, this was in the X Men comic, so I guess I do understand. But in the X Men comic, he was really drawn to Rachel, right? Which I would have. Much preferred. Yeah. And Although made... I don't know. The fact that Dazzler is a singer and all that makes this that much more stupid. Right. Which I guess made more sense in the stupidity of this comic book. All right. Well, that moves us into number five. Secret Wars 2, number five. Um, you want to give a rating for four? I guess. Oh, I did it. Um, I would give this a zero. This yeah, is, this is the one too. where... I, this is the one where I felt like you did in three, where I was just, I didn't even enjoy this one. I was just, this is yeah. not funny. It's stupid. I don't like Dazzler. Right. No, I hated it. Um, almost aggressively so. All right. Where is my number five? Oh, here it is. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, oh my goodness. number five. Can, can you do that a little bit more in the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so number five, we open, well, here, we got Jim Shooter, Al Milgram, Leia Aloha, and Rubenstein on the inkers. Yeah. Rosen and Parker on the letters. Yeah, and a new colorist. M. Hands. M. Hands. My hands? My <laughs> Colors of one hand, does something else with the other. <laughs> yeah, um, another stupid cover. Yeah, so I'm all for frowny face Iron Man, but other than that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not good. No, it's terrible. It's ugly. Not good. Four is bad. All these covers, except no, one. Except for number one, they've all been terrible. One was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so this comic, we open up with a sad Beyonder. Yes, a heartbroken singing, Beyonder. Heartbroken Beyonder singing Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone, which is pretty funny. I like that song. Uh, a train comes, and instead of taking one step off the track, he decides to blow it up. But feels bad at the last second and 
allows everyone to land gently. Out of this train comes a young girl with some fantastic 80s glasses. Yeah, like Data from uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Who shows up and says she's a mutant uh, on her way to Professor X's academy. Right. First appearance, by the way. Yeah, I was going to ask, and I think this is, but I was I was going to ask to confirm yeah. that of uh, who will eventually become Boom Boom, right? In the next issue, or later in this issue, later in this issue. Um, anyway, so she follows him. He's utterly disinterested in her um, <laughs> until she starts to explain that her dad tried to beat her mutant power out of her, and that she can make energy balls that blow things up. She calls them time bombs, um, and then. She blows up a tent, and Beyonder is like, hey, why'd you blow up that tent? And then suddenly now they've made a connection. And so they have a conversation. Beyonder recaps the Dazzler story about how he loved her, but he wanted her to just love him for him. He gave her some power. She rejected it. Blah, blah, blah. We didn't cover that in the last one, and I'm not going to cover it anymore here. No, no reason to. More stupidity of Dazzler. So... Um, but Boom Boom sympathizes and says something about breakups that makes him somewhat begin to care about her, or at least pay attention to her. And then, <laughs> and then, so he comes to the conclusion that the root of all his problems are the are desire, because when he was the Beyonder, he had no desires. Right. He was everything. But then, when he discovered this dimension, yeah, he learned to want stuff. Desire. Yeah. Exactly. Or you can't always get what you want. That's true. But if you find sometimes. You just might find. I think I said find too many times there. But anyway. I don't know. You get what you you need. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, But anyway, so he decides desire is the real problem here and that it left him empty and sad. Yeah. So he ditches her in the woods. Um, but his, his butt blows up. His butt blows up. Turns out, not diarrhea. It's a time bomb. Right. Boom, boom, boom. It's like a bomb in his pants before he left. It gives a, it gives a so, new expression to, uh, I made a boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> he literally does make a boom, boom. So, oh, I should say before the his pants explode, he actually goes back to his dimension. So he doesn't just ditch her in the woods. He goes back to his dimension hoping to forget about this dimension and once again become all that is exi- in existence. Right. But he can't forget, and so he tries to materialize a toaster and a blender and a phone for some reason. <laughs> That's not enough. What he really wants is love, and Dazzler doesn't love him. No. Nope. And his butt blows up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he shows up, drives up, uh, finds Boom Boom, says he's not mad. She says, are you sure you're not mad? And then he heals her face from where her dad had beaten her up. He says, see, I'm not mad. So they start driving, and then they drive 142 miles, very specifically, yeah. and then seem like resume their conversation because the, the phrases in the two panels look like things that would follow each other, and so it's uh, it seems like they sat silently for 142 <laughs> miles. They start talking just, again. Just press pause, right. It's like on a sitcom when people are at a place and then they leave that place and then they come back to their house and then they start talking about what they did at the place. Right. And you're like, what did you talk about in the ride home? <laughs> but 
anyway, sitcoms. So um, they talk about it. She basically gives him a hard time for wanting to quit. She says she knew he's going to come back because she doesn't want to quit on her or quit on life, I guess. She gives a, a kind of interesting idea about people quitting through suicide or quitting through drugs, but really being the same thing, which I thought was kind of interesting, which actually I think might have been earlier in the comic than, than this moment. But anyway, so uh, they get to Professor X's school. Boom Boom goes to the door. She's finally here. She thought this was going to be the salvation. This is going to be it. They're going to take good care of her. They look at her momentarily and then see the Beyonder. They're ready for the Beyonder. And so they basically just push her out of the way and go attack the Beyonder. And then we have a panel where all the X-Men are trashing the Beyonder's car <laughs> while the Beyonder sits and yawns into his fingerless gloves. This is the, this is the only panel in the book I actually love. This was a, this was a funny panel, it's a, I it's thought. A, and it's a great panel. Wolverine and Nightcrawler look awesome. They do. Cannonball looks kind of cool. I don't like that head that he people drew him at that time, but yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good panel. And so Beyonder then knocks them all off his car, drives off. They decide to chase after him. They insert an odd idea that Rachel yells after him, and it says, "Augmented subconsciously by her mighty psionic powers, like it forced all of the X Men." Right. And follow the Beyonder. But it seems like that's all what they wanted to do. So I'm not really sure where they're going with that. But I don't know, yeah. We'll have to see. And so they run off. And so poor Boom Boom is like, hey, I, what about me? So she cries and runs off into the woods. She starts to commit suicide with one of her own bombs. Because she thought Professor X's academy was going to be the salvation, but they just shoved her and ran. So she's mad. So she tries to commit suicide initially, pretends to, hoping the Beyonder will show up and save her. Then she decides to really do it, and then he really does show up. <laughs> and makes the comment, he could tell that she was not ready to quit. And so they get in the car, and they fly away in the car. They fly up into space to the World Complex headquarters of the Celestials. Sure. Sure, which turns out is basically a tourist trap for the universe. It's for like an to, alien um, mall. It's an alien mall for people to come at a food court and look at the Celestials. <laughs> and so that's there. She basically says, Beyonder's like, man, look at all these people. They're so excited that I'm here. And Boom Boom says, they look bored to me. And so Beyonder says, oh yeah, watch this. <laughs> and then... Flies into the air, tells the Celestials that he's going to destroy the entire universe in three seconds if they don't stop him. So they do. They jump in. He kicks all their asses and then says, ha, I was just kidding. But Boom Boom doesn't believe him. So she says, I want to leave. So he sends her back to Westchester. She then calls the Avengers. She then tricks Beyonder to come back and rescue her. Oh, first he goes back to, I guess, his apartment? I don't know. I don't, He's somewhere. Yeah. He puts on a record, and it's Dazzler's record. And so he starts crying. <laughs> and so this is Boom Boom, then calls the Avengers. The Avengers say, we believe you. Let's find him. And so she tricks him into coming to rescue her. Although he does now suddenly seem like he really does care about her. And is like, I missed you. I'm glad you called. I'm glad we're back together. <laughs> I was... I was going to quit, but I'm glad you showed up. And then she sticks a bomb in his pants again and runs off. And then all the Avengers attack. And he just lays down and takes the beating. Yeah. And then they say, hey, he's not fighting back. And he stands up and says something about he's done. 
And Captain America says, why don't you just go home? And he says, I can't. I can't. And so they say, oh, let him go. He'll probably stumble home. Right. The person who they believed, they were afraid that he was going to destroy the entire universe. When he was happy. Because he looked sad. They thought, he'll, he'll, he'll make his way back home. Right. Because no way can a depressed, omnipotent God-man child do anything <laughs> destructive. That's right. He can't do anything worse, clearly. Right. So he wanders off, and that is how we end Secret Wars 5. Yeah, that's where we're going to stop this episode. Woo! Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you talked about the Beyonders uh, conversation <clears throat> with Boom Boom. I wrote in my notes that they swapped flashbacks. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I got a couple of things I wanted to say. Right. Well, let's do this specific comic, and then I'll have some general stuff I want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, right. So, oh. art-wise, it's about like it's been. That was a little worse. Yeah. yeah. Well, of the issues we've actually talked about, I, I, I feel like it's just boom, boom. Is But you have the one panel. You do have the one great panel. Where Wolverine looks awesome. Yeah. Um, but everything else is, is, yeah, stiff and boring. Yeah, and there is a part where... Uh, Beyonder's uh, transforming Boom Boom to different things. And he turns oh, her yeah. into a 21-year-old woman who looks like 50. Well, he says, because she doesn't believe him that he was just kidding about destroying the universe. Right. He says, I'll give you whatever you want. Right. He goes, apparently he thought was that she just wanted a makeover. <laughs> he goes, what, you want to be pretty? Because you're obviously not. <laughs> right. And she says, no. He says, okay, you want to be older? So he makes her an old lady. No, but he says... I can instantly age you to say 21. Oh, say 21. But yeah, she looks 45. Yeah. And then her normal power is to look like Cinderella before she became Cinderella. Looks even older. Yeah, she looks like an old maid like who's forced to like, wash floors uh, by her evil stepmother. Yeah. The flying Lamborghini. I just feel like I had to say that. Nothing else to say anything about it. But. Yeah. So the part about Rachel, I agree with you. If all right, so there is there's that panel that you read, the little yeah. narration. So when they first see the Beyonder, Rachel yells, "It's him! It's the Beyonder!" If they had stuck that box on that panel, then I will buy the rest of this interaction with the X Men. But like you said, since it seems like they were already gung ho about fighting him anyway. Then Wolverine's yeah. argument that, hey, it's not cool that you, like, coerced us mentally to go do this. Because they'd already done it. So, if if you, it's a really simple editor thing. Just take that box, put it a page earlier, and the whole rest of the scene makes more sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, because with this, it makes it look like she coerced them to continue doing it. Right. Which, maybe, but that's not as impactful. No, Wolverine just, gets really upset about it, and if what had happened happened, he should be upset about it, and that would be interesting. But because yeah. they're already fighting him, it just doesn't. It makes it seem like, oh well, you know, you suck for making us do what we wanted to do anyway. Right. Well, and I also don't like the fact that they straight up don't give a shit about Boom Boom. Right. They even say, "What about the girl?" And they're like, "Man, we'll talk about her later." And that also only makes sense if, like, Rachel goes into a panic 
and right. like pushes them all out mentally because then they don't have time to worry about her. The the fact that everybody would just go ape shit crazy and run out the door right. and like trample a poor girl just because they see the beyond her. That no one, not a single person, would stay behind to see if she's okay. Right. It was just, or it who was, are you? It was two Looney Tunes and not enough X Men. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think if you if you just move that box, then we would have been. And even look, next page, the panel where they're all running out the door in that terrible drawing there. That is terrible. It's a perfect space for it. Right. Top left corner, put the box right there. Yeah. But even Wolverine's the one that yells, "Let's go, X Men!" <laughs> yeah. He's the X Men Raw Raw Riot Club, and the Cannonball says, "Hurry," which is funny because he's so fast. Right. And then Wolverine's the one that, that takes such offense at what Rachel did. So, yeah, And then Colossus goes, what about that girl we saw on our porch? <laughs> that, yeah. I, that I brushed into in my armored form and broke her collarbone. bone. Now also, now, are you look, you're looking at a, you're not looking at a digital version, right? No, I got, I, I got the actual comic, actual bad boy. So in the middle page where there were Wolverine's complaining about this. Right. Notice that Colossus's face is not metal, but the rest of him is. Well, yeah, if you if you acknowledge the coloring mistake, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's just a coloring mistake, but but I thought it because you never see that, right? Where he is just part metal, part. No, I, that's just a mess up. I think that but... yeah, it's accidentally painted it wrong. But Actually, you do see that after uh, AVX, where is. When he was part of the Phoenix Five, and then he lost the Phoenix power, and his powers go wonky. You have this thing oh, where yeah. like he gets metal spots, like uh, involuntarily. But that didn't last very long, because no one liked it. Yeah, but yeah. So another, yeah. Um, another, another loser. I thought the art was pretty crappy. You know, they kept talking about checking out, and uh, reading this made me want to check out. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> even the parts that I almost liked were ruined. Like like the X Men stuff. So so here here's what I have. I have one panel that I loved. Yeah. And it was actually kind of funny, the Beyonder yawning. Like that was actually and it works better with the fingerless gloves. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the part where he blows up his pants. <laughs> the fourth funny. grader in me really loved that. Yeah. Uh, everything else I was miserable reading. The Celestials planet was ridiculous. Yeah, that was dumb. I I liked Boom Boom kind of. Did you? But I've not. Never, I mean, I liked. I've never been a big fan of her. She's always been too valid girl for me. No, I've never been a big fan. I just thought she was the the idea of him picking up. Yeah, that part's not buddy. bad. Right. I liked, but then she just betrays him. Right. Which I thought, well, this is not good. And she betrays him because her motivations aren't completely developed. No, he's so powerful. It's not like she didn't know he was so... I mean, I guess she didn't know he was that powerful. But he said he was just kidding, and he didn't blow the world up, and he didn't kill any of the Celestials. He just knocked them down. I don't know. (sighs) For all that he did for her (laughs) in in this episode, in this comic here... It seems like it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty weak for him to, for her to turn on him so quickly. Right. All right. Well, when are you going to grade Secret Wars two number five? I'm going to give it a one. Okay. I'm going to stick those couple of those couple of moments. I'm going to stick with the zero just because 
by this point, I, I was done. Uh, talking about it now, I kind of lean towards the one, but at the time I actually read it, I was just, I was completely over this series. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'll, I'll stick with the zero. All right, let's take a quick break, and then let's uh, wrap up kind of our overall feeling of where the series has gone so far. Sounds good. All right, guys, so that is the uh, first half-ish of Secret Wars 2. Yeah, and all it's uh, something. <laughs> All of its glory. All of its glory, indeed. All right, so, like I said, not a huge fan of either of the main guys doing this book. Milgram has moments, but I feel like his art's always super stiff, and this even seemed kind of sloppy on top of that. Um, and, of course, Jim Shooter is uh, Jim Shooter. I just, I'm just not digging what he's, what he's doing. So Cameron, you know, we, we kind of joked about that you had fond memories of this series, and... Of course, like I said, I'm coming at it completely fresh. So what do you think, obviously by your grades, didn't love it this time around. So what do you think the difference was? Like, where do you think, what do you think hit you the first time when you were a kid that didn't keep? I think, I think there's really two big things. One, I think I, I this time found it funnier than you did. Yes. And I think a lot of that stuff as of however old I was in 85 or whenever right. I read this. I found it funnier at the time, okay. funnier than I do now. And so even some of the stuff like in, in issue two that I just thought was dumb, at the time I could see myself laughing a little bit about some of the stuff. I mean his butt blows up. That's funny. Yeah. But I'll say I think the biggest thing is that he just gets laid so much. <laughs> and I got to say this is a lot of sex for a comic book in the 80s. Yeah, they don't really show anything, but they do talk about a lot, for sure. Yeah, they have do all talk the prostitutes. He's hanging and... out on a boat with a bunch of ladies with bikinis. Right. You have a real, like, this is a guy that shows up with all the power and all whatever, and he just kind of does whatever he wants. And I think... Okay. So you think it appealed a, to, like, a power fantasy? It was like as a junior high kid, just right. thinking about, especially being a, you know, a overweight, nerdy junior high kid, as right. I may or may not have been. No comment on that. <laughs> but the idea that, that you just kind of rolled in and did whatever. Right. And then you had the kind of funny moments. Okay. I, I remember there being more... Action? Yes. I'm wondering if that happens a little more in the second half. Maybe but so. We'll, I remember we'll there see. being more with the, with the heroes. Because here it's like the heroes are really barely even part of the story. Right. It's really just the Beyonder struggling through trying to figure out humanity right <laughs> here's <laughs> all right so first of all i want to say i think the reasons that you liked it are legit but probably the exact opposite of what jim shooter was going for so only solidifying him as a failure as a writer yeah i think that's probably true and i think he i i really feel what struck me the most about this and more so than the first Secret Wars, which was dumb and ridiculous, but still kind of big comic book fun. This struck me as being so laborious that like, I feel like there's effort oozing out of every line, out of every page. Like, you know, sometimes you can tell when someone's just trying really hard. And this, yeah. this to me, felt like Jim Shooter was trying so hard to be serious thought-provoking to be funny to to like be satirical like it, it just if i felt like there was so much effort in the writing yeah and it just didn't work for me at all 
And so can you have like this almost like he's writing his masterpiece, but it sucks. <laughs> yeah. And if that's his masterpiece, then I'm really sorry. Because it's like you have this idea, almost like this, this existential crisis of what it means to be human. But he tells the story in such a dumb fashion that who cares? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's full of gags and 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 just weird lines, and it jumps around a lot. He, right. Yeah, it's just not. It doesn't hit. It doesn't do anything that it's supposed to do. I don't think. Right. And Except that some of the gags are funny. A couple of them, but there's but a lot for, that aren't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a fifteen. You know, thinking back, he's in his fifteen, a fifteen, fourteen year old kid. Right. This was funny. But not for the necessarily the reasons he wanted it to be funny. Right. But but even now, looking back, you have a few gags that work, but most of them are just bad. And even I mean, they're not even they're bad for the eighties. Right. It's not even like well, which is it's not funny anymore. But it's like no, it wasn't even funny then. Yeah, it really shouldn't have been. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you a, a big interpretive picture, and you tell me what you think about this. I okay. don't know that this is what Jim Shooter was going for, um, but this is what I can't. I'm, I'm going to say about. probably not because you use the word big interpretive. Yeah. So I was thinking about this. This is like a, I feel like this is a, this is a Christ story that went horribly wrong. Okay. Okay. Now, what I mean by that is because we start off with the idea that he's a God, lives in a dimension where there is nothing but him. Right. The void from Genesis. Yeah, the void, the what is it? The ex nihilo yeah, creation yeah, is whatever, right. right? It's nothing but but him, right? And so he now he doesn't create anything, but we're going to jump New Testament here. He decides he wants to connect with humanity, and so he comes to Earth. This is where we get into the the Jesus Christ part of this. Right. He comes to Earth and decides the only way to truly understand humanity is to become humanity. And the idea, we have a lot of these different contexts of this. Now, now where it goes horribly wrong is this is as if for for any of your listeners that that have read read the the Bible or read the Gospels anyway, you know you have that moment in the Jesus story where the devil comes and offers him all the kingdom and powers of the world, right? And of course, famously, Jesus doesn't take it and walks away and right. stays for homeless Jew healing people. In this story, he takes it. Right, yeah. And he says, yeah, so, so, give me so, some gold, so, some women, and some drugs, let's do this. <laughs> so this is a really silly version that doesn't lead to Dan Brown novels of The Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, this is even, you know, the... the the, yeah, the, the last temptation of Christ. This is like that, but even the the other direction where <laughs> he just kind of embraces this idea. But but even even in the context of that, so, right, so I'm going to keep going with this. He finds Dazzler. None of the power and the wealth makes him happy. What he really wants is people to love him. Right. Specifically Dazzler. But he doesn't want to make them love him. He doesn't want to control everything in a, in a kind of Calvinistic, every aspect of everything is chosen and, and you know, predestined. Right. He wants people to love him for him. Right. And so even though he tries controlling everything, it doesn't make him happy. Mm-hmm. And so he's now seeking out love, but that doesn't work because Dazzler rejects him. And so he keeps going in this. And so now, of course, issue five, he's, he's reached a pinnacle here. Because he he took the wrong path with the power and the wealth, and so it's only it's only led him more problems. Right. So here's what I think is going to happen. Kind of using your Bible analogy and going backwards again. He's going to he's to the point now to where he's going to go back to the Old Testament 
and flood the earth. So to speak. <laughs> it's gonna start smiting people. Right, yeah, he's gonna try he's gonna be like this this didn't work. I'm gonna destroy creation like the flood in Noah's time. But now yeah. we have the Avengers and X-Men to, to try to stop him. Like imagine, you know, back in the day, Noah got like a bunch of superheroes and told God he wasn't going to flood the earth. And, you know, yeah. that's that's the story. <laughs> I actually kind of like your, uh, your Jesus analysis. Except for it's written by... All right, so here's my interpretation of Jim Shooter. Jim Shooter is a freshman in high school who doesn't know how to write but is certain he's going to get a literary scholarship to college. <laughs> that works. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I thought about that a lot, but I, I'm sure that's not what he was going for. I'm not completely sure you're wrong, though. I mean, but I, I don't know. The I really idea know of taking this Beyonder Force that he, that he created for the first Secret Wars and making it human. I mean, there is the idea of God becoming man, so to speak. So that is very kind of Christish. You wouldn't say Christian because yep. that's that's a whole that, that's a word that already means something. But right, Christy. Christy, yeah, it's very Christy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, that's where he's going, and I can't remember how the series ends. Well, so I, I haven't read the end yet, so you never read it, yeah. So I'm I'm really I was really surprised to me at how little the heroes had to do in this. Yeah, it's it's almost kind of weird how li- how unimportant they are. Right, at least in the first five issues. Right. I don't know, and just all the things he tried to hit on about stuff that's not bad points, like, you know, that materialism doesn't make you happy and stuff like that, but it all just felt like it was told in such a, a generic fashion that, I don't know, it just, it just did nothing for me overall. Yeah, so. I agree. Cool. Well, um, you ready to wrap up? Yeah. All right. got to be done with this. Yeah, cool. Well, um, <laughs> why, don't you, uh, why don't you plug your stuff, and uh, we'll, we'll finish up. Um, I don't really have much to plug. My podcast, History Banter, we have something fairly new, but somehow we got kicked off iTunes, and I don't know how to get back on there. What? So, yeah, we're, we're, we got kicked off the search. So if, if you were subscribed, oh. it still works, but people can't search for us anymore. You think it's just because you were inactive for so long? Yeah, and I read okay. some stuff online about how if you're an act, if you don't post anything for a certain period of time, you get like delisted off the search. <laughs> That's- but there's no information about how to get back on. Huh. That's so weird. I, I haven't really put anything else out because I don't I can't really promote it. I mean we're on Stitcher and if you already found us right. and subscribed, you can listen. Well people could wait from the website though, right? In theory? No. If they they oh. won't take them to the iTunes page. Oh. I mean they can listen to it on the webpage. Okay. Or listen to it through Stitcher or I think you can you may be able to download it from the webpage. But even like if you click the iTunes link it doesn't exist anymore because huh. we're not on, we're not on the search. Yeah, it's weird. So I, I I haven't had time to really investigate it enough to try to figure out what's going on. So anyway, but you can go to the website historybanter.com and and we have a post up a couple of weeks ago. I put up uh, and then I have some stuff I'm trying to record, but I'm trying to get schedules and all that. So right. anyway, that's the main thing. You can follow me at Cameron Sinclair. You can follow at History Banter. I post from both. So. Cool. If you follow me, you're going to get a whole lot more soccer. You follow History Banter, it's mostly <laughs> history. There so. you go. <laughs> very good, very good. All right, well, for the podcast, it goes snicked like usual. If you want to leave an iTunes review, you can. Like the Facebook page, email us, snickcast at yahoo.com. Twitter, where most of the fun is, is at snickcast. 
and um, oh, show notes and stuff if you like that or uh, snickcast.podbean.com. And I guess that's about it. So uh, next up, I'm not really sure. Uh, be some more Secret War stuff, either new or old. <laughs> either way, this podcast is all about Secret Wars right now. So it'll be something Secret Warsy. All right, cool. Thanks, Cameron, for coming on. And uh, thanks we'll for having me. We'll eventually get to the second half of it after we take a few detours. So <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> oh, me, me either. All right, guys. Well, until next time. Hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.